Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. Joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today we have a little bit of a return from a hiatus that we've had. It's been a little bit of slow off-season content, so this podcast is kind of uh, the resurgence and just kind of catching you all up on everything that has been happening the past couple weeks. We're going to talk about that, and this will kind of start back our, our weekly schedule a little bit, but... Wheeler, we're going to start with the basketball side of things. We have a lot of information with that. You've got Wendell Green, Janai Broom, and Jalen Williams all declaring for the NBA draft with, you know, Janai and Jay Will keeping their eligibility open without signing with an agent. Just kind of walk us through that, you know, first of all, before we start talking about transfers and everything, just with those three guys, what are your thoughts about them declaring for the draft? How do you think their professional options will emerge and how much interest do you think they'll be getting from professional options and who do you foresee still being on the team next season? Well, it's time for our annual tradition, Noble. A mid-April Auburn basketball player, puts their name into the NBA draft to be considered. And we always say, if we were talented enough athletes to be entered into any kind of drafting process other than the U.S. military draft, we would definitely explore our options. Unfortunately, our best chance of getting drafted is Taiwan, which ironically is about Wendell Green's best chance of getting drafted in a different way. I'm sure that Wynn will make a great career in China or in Europe somewhere in a small Division III Lithuanian gym um, where they also have small players because he is, in fact, (laughs) a smaller player. Um, No, good luck to Wynn. Um, You know, he worked hard while he was at Auburn. Didn't seem to get along especially well with the coaching staff at the end. Um, Didn't seem to get along with his teammates very well at the end. And just based off of how everything has gone, I have the anticipation that Wynn was asked to move along. Um, So, no, I do not expect Wynn to be back. I don't even think he's keeping his eligibility open. I think that he's gone, gone, gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I hope that he gets the best, you know, in all seriousness, the best contract he can get in Europe that he has a long career over there. He has fun um, playing over there because I I mean, just don't think that the NBA and by don't think the NBA is just not going to be an option for him. Um, Jared Harper, significantly better basketball player. Sharif Cooper, significantly better. That's just two Auburn guys that I can think off the top of my head that are not full-time NBA players and they're significantly better. And so at that size, you're never going to make the NBA. I mean, that's kind of an unfortunate reality. Um, But in today's NBA, 
unless you are just ridiculous shooting and passing, you're not going to make it in the NBA at that size. Um, as for Alan Flanagan, you know, I really hope that he comes back, um, but he's kind of explored his options for multiple years. And so we'll just – we'll have to see. My guess is he will eventually put his name out there. He'll talk to some teams over in Europe. I think he has a chance to go and play in the G League if he wanted to play still in the States. Um, so that would make more sense to me. Um, Jay will the same thing. I think he's just – Looking to see what his options are, I would expect him to come back and same with Janai. Um, I didn't see anything. I thought Janai played very well this year, but I didn't see anything out of Janai's game that made me think he would go in the first round and get that guaranteed money. And so at this point in your career, I don't know why you would leave college early to not get the guaranteed money. Like, you, you can get your NIL check and then you can get your European or your G League money probably whenever your draft stock's most likely not going to go down. So that's kind of where I stand on the basketball situation. Um, Our favorite guy, John Rothstein broke the news of Devin Cambridge uh, coming on a visit. And man, I just hope he likes it. I hope he likes the facility that they really roll out the red carpet for him. That's so dumb. I have no idea why you need to visit somewhere that you went and played for four years. That might be the most ridiculous college recruiting story I've heard to this point. Um, So, yeah, we might have Devin back. Um, You know, he's always great for tip-off at Tumors, and he'll have a game or two where AU Granny gets to go crazy because (laughs) – he hits a shot miraculously with a, whatever that shooting motion is. Um, so, yeah, let's hope that Devin comes back. He's a fan favorite. I enjoyed his dunks. And, uh, yeah, that's about where we are at Auburn basketball right now. So, I, I, I think that to to look at it from a little less emotional perspective, you know, Weather typically likes to have the emotion that a lot of the Auburn fans are going to be having. But I think that – if you look at Devin's game at Arizona State, it was not the same. He was a better basketball player at Arizona State than he was at Auburn. And I think that if you look at it, he the way I would compare it, if if people didn't really watch him at Arizona State that much, when he played basketball at Auburn, when Sharif was actively playing, he was so much better. And he was actually like he would score nine points a game, nine, ten points a game in those kind of in those kind of games. And I think that Devin is the kind of guy that needed that. He needed the lobs. He needed the cuts. He needed the spacing. He needed everything around him to be good for him to be an effective basketball player. And I think at Arizona State, that wasn't exactly the case. And he still was able to be productive and shot a better percentage than he did at Auburn. He did more of the dirty work. He was setting screens. He was playing better defense. He was a better basketball player at Arizona State than he was at Auburn. He will be an upgrade if he does come back. He will be an upgrade to what we had when we saw Devin Cambridge playing for Auburn. Now, with all that being said, if Devin is the starting small forward, it's probably still going to be a it's probably still going to be a hole in the team. It probably will still be a weak point. But if he is a backup small forward, Devin at Arizona State this year was better than Chris Moore at Auburn this year. So if we're looking at it from just that perspective, it's an upgrade in a backup small forward spot, depending on what you can do through the portal with the starting small forward spot, or if Allen decides to come back, 
it'll still be an upgrade from what we had this year. Now, looking a little bit down low, you know, you have Jay Will. I I think that he could come back, but I also would not be surprised if he decided to hang it up. I don't think his draft stock is getting any better. So I think that the thing that he's going to weigh is can he make more money at Auburn through NIL than he will overseas in, you know, France or Lithuania or wherever he's going to go. So I think that that's the decision that he has. I think Janai is almost a done deal that he's staying at Auburn. I think that he's the kind of guy, you know, we talk about it all the time. If you, if you're going to get a workout with the NBA or if you're going to have any scout talk to you, it'd be dumb not to declare, you know, like declare, you get some feedback, you get some pointers about your game, you come back, you're fine. Nothing, nothing else is new. And even, at the very least, it's a cool life experience. You know, you're working out with an NBA team. That's something that not many people can do. I wholeheartedly think Janai will be back at Auburn next season. I think Jay Will is more of a coin flip. I'm leaning more that Allen will not be returning to Auburn. Um, and then Wendell, I think it's, you know, a done deal that he's he's going to be gone. So when you look at that, you look at how the roster is going to be, you know, reconstructed. You see guys coming in on visits through the transfer portal. Auburn has already landed Denver Jones from Florida International. Um, you have Aiden Holloway coming in, McDonald's All-American. Weather, just kind of give us your thoughts about how that Denver Jones and Aiden Holloway backcourt, how you think it'll work. It's going to be a lot more of a, you know, bigger backcourt than what we've seen in previous years. Should be, you know, some sharp shooters similar to how it was in 2019 slash the 2020 era. Just kind of give us your thoughts on how you foresee that backcourt moving into next season and how you think the offensive focus will shift back to guards or do you think it'll stay kind of with the forwards and centers? Just kind of give us a quick rundown of what you foresee happening next season with the current personnel at this time. I think if Aiden and Denver have similar number performances to what they've had, you know, Aiden in high school and Denver at his previous stop, it's definitely going to be a guard-focused offense because you're getting, like, 40% from three. Um, that being said, I think that's where it's important. If you were able to keep Jay Will and keep uh, Janai to come back, because that's a serious offense there. If you've got two guards that are shooting about 40% from three um, and you have the cutting ability that Aiden Holloway has and the floater ability um, and better size, you know, than some of Auburn's previous point guards, because, honestly, I mean – the kind of the funny thing with the exception of Alan Flanagan running the point in 2020 or 2021 Auburn's had like the smallest point guards I think I've ever seen like I know point guards are typically smaller guys anyway but like Javon McCormick was really really short uh Wynn short Jared short now they were getting the job done but it's going to be nice to have just like a little bit more size for if nothing else the defensive side um, so I'm really excited. I think that I think that the offense is going to be the strong suit of this year's team. Um, whether or not Jay Will comes back, if you have Janai and you have those two guards, I think that the offense is going to be head and shoulders better. And I mean, not to crack on the guy, if Devin's playing like you said he was out in Arizona State, which I unfortunately have not seen the tape, uh, per se of Arizona State basketball. Um, I'm typically asleep when Bill Walton starts taking the shrooms and calling a game. Um, that could be an important addition, you know? I mean, it it actually could be a good thing. And I think that the basketball team is going to be a lot better. I think that 
the ceiling for the basketball team will be better. I think that the season may go in a similar direction, kind of ending record being middle of the SEC. Um, but I think you could be middle to top half of the SEC. The SEC is going to be loaded this year, though. Kentucky's got those five stars coming in. I mean, they've got like three or four five stars coming in. So Coach Cal is coming for blood this year because he's still got Sheboy plus all those guys. Like Kentucky is going to be what you think about when you think of Kentucky. So I think Auburn will have a good year in basketball um, regardless of all of the moves that that end up happening. But I think it was time for a little bit of an overhaul. Um, I just think you had some guys that were there. I think that Jabari was able to really crank up the intensity, and I don't know how much you had a leader that was a positive influence this year. Um inside of the locker room. So that's my other hesitation of like, I think that Jay will and Allen are really good basketball players um, and that their talents will be useful. Um, and I think, I don't want to say that they were bad influences, but it's just like, at some point it's fun to have new blood and to have like a new team to start over. And I think that's what maybe what they're looking for too. You know, they've done the college basketball thing. They've, done the workouts they've heard every speech that bruce can give they probably know what he's going to say about a situation before he even says it like after you've been in a place for a while i can see where it would get a little bit stale um and i think that's kind of what they're going back and forth with right now is whether or not it's going to be that much different or what their other options are and if those options are better than even not a bad situation at auburn but just something that they're kind of tired of you know yeah, I completely agree. And I also think with what you're saying about the backcourt, especially with Denver Jones coming in, uh, for those who don't know, he averaged 20 points per game at uh, Florida International, averaged 37% from three, 85% from free throws, and uh, averaged about two steals a game. So that's that's a really solid player. And I think that if he can put up, you know, I, I would say typically you're not going to expect an SEC guard to put up 20 points per game. I think the last time it happened was when Cam Thomas did it at LSU, and he was just a fantastic scorer. But, I mean, if, if Denver Jones going to average 15 points per game on similar shooting splits, we're going to be fine. He's going to be a very effective guard in the SEC. And I think that I agree with you with the new blood. You know, it's going to be a new feel around the team. Uh, Wes Flanagan, obviously, uh, the Auburn assistant, is going to play or going to coach at Ole Miss with Chris Beard and his new staff. Um, you know, we're going to have some – you're going to replace the staff. You're going to find good recruiters. Uh, Wes Flanagan's an incredible recruiter, but I do think that Bruce is a great coach, and he's going to replace Flanagan with someone who's also an elite recruiter. You know, I'm, I'm really not that worried about that. And I do agree with you. I think that some new blood is needed. I think that you could see there was there was it was just stale, and it, it, it was the, the the coaches were a little stale, the players were a little stale. You needed something to shake it up, and it was time for certain people to leave. It was time for certain people to move on. And I think that that's you're seeing that happen, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that new things are happening. You know, it's just going to be new, but. I don't think you're going to see a decrease in production or a decrease in talent or a decrease in anything like that. I still think that the basketball team is going to be good. I think that this team is going to, I think that depending on, you know, who else is landed in the portal, I think this is going to be a good team, especially when, you know, with the home court advantage, we talk about it every year, this is going to be a good team. And I wholeheartedly believe this team will be better than last year, this past season. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I think that it's a new era because you're going to see all this new stuff, but I also think that it's going to feel kind of how Auburn basketball did 
kind of three years ago as opposed to what the past three seasons looked like. Um, but I definitely think that it's exciting, you know? Yeah, I think that when it's that fresh, because I think that was more Bruce, and I feel like it's – I don't want to say it's, like, gotten away from what Bruce is, but I definitely think that he's had a lot of people there that have been assistants and players for a long time, and so – he was kind of tailoring to their strengths and the player's strengths. And I feel like he's kind of going back to the way he enjoys his teams to be, you know, mm-hmm. where you got the guards that can go. I think he's fine with the big man, but remember when he first got to Auburn, his priority was not recruiting, you know, centers and forwards. Mm-hmm. He had Simeon Bowers. I mean, you know, but he was going and getting Kareem Canty, you know? And so it's like, that's really what he wants and how he wants it to play out. And so I think you're starting to see kind of him returning to what, how he likes the team to be put together. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that you'll definitely see that as the future goes. And obviously, you know, they're going to recruit the best players they can, you know, and if there's a a top forward that wants to come to Auburn, we're obviously not going to be like, sorry, we want to have guards. Like that's not going to be what happens, but I do think that you're seeing with what they're prioritizing, is it resembles more like what Auburn was in 2019 when the the floor is space, everyone can shoot. We're going to have guards that can shoot really well. We're going to have forwards that can shoot pretty well. We're going to have centers that can get rebounds. Like that's going to be what the focus is. And I think that that is something that's good to kind of change the style a little bit. And, you know, by association, that'll change kind of what you look for in recruiting, what you look for recruiting the portal and high school. So I definitely think that this is an interesting time. And I think that next year's team, it'll be really interesting to analyze how they adjust to all the new. Um, But overall, I think it's an exciting time. And there'll obviously be more information regarding basketball with transfers in the in the coming weeks. But I think that this is a good time to pivot to more of the football side of the podcast with Auburn wrapping up spring practices with A-Day happening uh, last week. Wheeler, just kind of give us your just raw thoughts on, first of all, just what position group did you see in the spring that you're excited for to see in the fall because you think they've gotten a lot better? And what's a group that you're the most skeptical about with how they're going to be in the fall based off their spring performance? I would say that the offensive line is what I'm most looking forward to in the fall. Um, I'm not, I'm going to say based off of reports out of spring, because I don't even a day this year doesn't even count to me as anything like, it was such a mess out there and you had like so many different combinations and vanilla play. Like I don't think you can take any serious thing away from a day really other than this Jarquez Hunter ran the ball like three times in a day. And Hugh Freeze said that he was one of the best running backs he's ever coached. If not, I think he may have even said he's the best one. I mean, it was something like ridiculously high praise. And then he runs the ball three times when it's, pouring down rain and they're doing live tackling. That tells you what Hugh thinks about Dark Wells. I mean, he's like, if this guy gets hurt, we're in trouble. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that Damari Austin actually looked pretty good. I don't think that Jarquez being held out was a indictment on the other running backs saying like, if he's hurt, like the guys behind him aren't very good. I think he's like the, this could be an elite talent. This is what's going to win us games. Um, and that going along with the offensive line. Um, it, it seems to me like our offense is going to be primarily run heavy, um, which for some, I don't understand. For some reason, Auburn fans have this like 
longing for us to be a team that slings the ball around all the time. And I've never really understood why you want to be a pass-heavy team because unless you are like the elite of the elite in passing, it typically is not going to go well game in and game out. You know, I mean, I'm thinking back to like Joe Burrow's year when he was at LSU, pass-heavy team. Game in, game out, you weren't worried about Joe Burrow not throwing the ball around, though he did have the Auburn game where kind of got, you know, stuck a little bit. Um, Alabama a couple years ago, pass-heavy team, that they were the elite of the elite. But you just don't see – you don't see mediocre quarterbacks running through the SEC and on a pass-heavy team and winning the SEC championship. It just doesn't happen. And so – we don't have an elite quarterback, elite throwing quarterback. Um, and honestly, you're not going to get one in the transfer portal because if someone is elite, they're probably playing. So, I mean, th- the elite transfer quarterbacks that we've seen before, Joe Burrow. Well, Joe Burrow wasn't elite when he transferred. Like, he had a very mid-year at LSU the year before. Mid to poor. So that, that's what transferred from Ohio State. It's not like Joe Burrow in the way that he was. And then people say, you know, Justin Fields. Justin Fields was had a lot of other things going on outside of just his playing time. And there was some politics at play with Jake Fromm, who got worse at the time. Yeah, and I also think you have to consider with that situation, Jake Fromm was projected to be a first-round pick. He led his team to the national championship his true freshman season. Like, it's not like Jake Fromm was some kind of a bum when Justin Fields was sitting behind him. Right. And so that's what I'm saying is, like, I'm hesitant. Everybody gets real excited about getting a transfer quarterback in. But I just – you haven't seen a team with a mid-quarterback – throw the ball around them, go win the SEC championship. The teams that don't have elite throwers that make the SEC championship and compete for the playoffs are run-dominant teams. And I mean, that's what LSU was this past year. Jaden Daniels is not very good at throwing the ball. I mean, he's fine, like he, but he's a mid-tier thrower and an elite runner, and they were able to run the ball, and they were able to throw the ball enough to go to the SEC championship. That's the recipe. So I don't understand why everybody's getting all wound up wanting to sling the ball all over the yard. Now, that being said, the receivers did not have good reports coming out of spring. They have not been good for several years. They looked awful on A-Day, given it was an impossible – I mean, you could have really good receivers, and the conditions are just unfair. Like, the odds that you have a game where it's raining that hard for the entire game – it's going to be pretty rare. I mean, just honestly, I, I can't think of it. I, the last game that I can think of where it poured like that was the West Virginia game. We've had other like rain games where it was raining a little bit, but just like a day or I guess the Arkansas game in 2020 where Bo Nix threw the ball backwards um, on his spike, you know, like, so I'm thinking that's from 2009. So in 14 years, we can think of two days. Like that's not fair to those guys. I'm concerned that they can't catch the ball. I think he was concerned that they can't catch the ball because you have to be able to throw it a little bit. Otherwise, what happened in this year's Iron Bowl happens where you score on your gimmicky run plays and then 
you can only have so many gimmicky run plays and then you get stuffed for the entire second half. Um, so I'm, I don't even know. No, I'm really not that down on Robbie Ashford. I know a lot of people are down on Robbie Ashford. I thought Robbie Ashford at the end of the year was a serviceable quarterback. I thought he made okay throws in the iron bowl. Um, I mean, obviously you'd like to see the guy improve. Um, but some of the people that I see that folks want to transfer in, I'm just like, really? I mean, if you weren't tearing it up in the group of five, like for real tearing it up, not like stat sheet, but like on tape, like Cincinnati's quarterback. Now watch me say this, and he transfers here and it's Cam Newton. But Cincinnati's quarterback, eh? I, I mean, you watch Cincinnati and you're not like, man, why can't we get somebody like this? At least I didn't. I mean, you're like, this is a serious downgrade from Desmond Ritter, who is an NFL quarterback, so fair. But I'm just like, I don't know. I haven't seen any transfers recently that I'm just like, that's a program changer right there. I'm less concerned about the quarterbacks. I am concerned about the wide receivers. The wide receiver situation seems desperate. Yeah, I agree with you. And I I also – I think that the running backs are something that we can't talk about enough. And, you know, Brian Batty was – I think he's going to be a big-time player. Like, I I think that he is going to be a guy that can come in and be better than what Sean Shivers was in 2021. And Sean Shivers, like, I know that he he hasn't done that much at Auburn, and I think he's overrated by some Auburn fans. But that LSU game, Sean Shivers was essential. To that that game. If you watch it, there are multiple third downs that he helped convert. And Batty is a similar kind of guy. He's going to be a little bit smaller, but he's if that guy's the third best running back you have on your team, you're doing all right. And having Jarquez Hunter and Demario Olsen as your first two guys, the running backs are going to be good. You and know, don't and forget I, Jeremiah Cobb is coming in this fall. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I, I'm not saying that this is going to be similar to how it was in you know, 2013 when he had Trey Mason just running through people. He had Cameron Artis Payne behind him. But if you told me it was like 2014, with how – I mean, if, if you – with how Hugh Freeze has talked about Jarquez Hunter, it would not surprise me if he had a Cameron Artis Payne 2014 kind of season and had, you know, 1,400 yards and was the lifeblood of the offense. You know, that wouldn't entirely surprise me. And I think that the, the offensive line is significantly better than it has been in the past – like – I, I might this might be overreacting. I expect this offensive line to be the best offensive line we've had in the run game since 2014. I think that this I, I, I think that my hot take for the season was that this offensive line will be better than 2017's was. And I think that that's going to be the biggest thing. And with Robbie, you just need a quarterback that can make the other team not stack the box. That's really not that hard to do. If you are an if you are an average at best passer, you can do that. And that's if you have some pro-style quarterback that's average at best. You can prevent him from sacking the box. If you have a guy like Robbie, who the passing is by far his worst aspect of football, if you can have him do it, the offense can actually be dangerous. You have good offensive minds. You have Hugh Freeze, who has coached tons of incredible offenses. You have Philip Montgomery, who's coached a ton of really, really good, like top 10 offenses. Then you have Cadillac Williams, who's the run game coordinator, who we saw when he was, you know, the run game coordinator, him and Will Friend were starting to draw up plays. The team that we saw at the end of the season was a team that goes over 500 in SEC play. Like, beating Texas A&M, 
being somewhat competitive against Alabama, that team that we saw at the end of the season, that team beats Arkansas. You know, that team beats LSU if they played at the same time. So I think that you look at that and you're like, all right, let's take a deep breath. The coaching is going to be a massive upgrade from last year. And the roster is a night and day upgrade from last year, just on the offensive side, at least. The offensive line is going to be significantly better. The running backs as a committee, you can make the argument, will be better with the better offensive line. The receivers are going to be terrible, but that's fine. Like, we're not going to expect good, like, big-time receivers, but – I think that people are a little bit low on this offense than they should be. And I think this offense is going to be a decent unit. I am I am exponentially more concerned about the defense than I am about the offense. I think that the defense, I like the secondary. I'm worried about the D-line and linebackers. It reminds me a lot of the 2020 season when we had Roger McCreary back there. We had, you know, a freshman Jalen Simpson who was playing, you know, played really well uh, for a few games in 2020. But I think that, you know, and Jamie and Sherwood back there kind of leading the whole charge. But I think in 2020, I felt good about the secondary and we were worried about the D-line and the D-line got abused night in and night out. And I think that's my biggest concern for this team is defensively how they're going to be able to stop the run. You know, because you can stop the run, but I don't think we have any pure pass rushers. Uh, I like that Keldrick Falk has been, you know, getting a lot of praise, but also – I mean, I can't remember the last time a true freshman edge rusher came in to any SEC school and was just lighting it up. So I, I don't really know how well we'll be with, you know, rushing the passer. I don't know how good the linebackers are going to be. There's just a lot of question marks around a lot of guys on the defense. And I think that the wide receivers are a position that I'm a little worried about, but also I'm not that worried about because I think that you can scheme guys open. I think that a good scheme can get guys open and whether they catch you or not is, you know, whatever happens. But I think you can have a good offense with an elite running game and mid-wide receivers. You cannot have a good defense with a bad D-line. Like, if your D-line gets pushed around, it doesn't matter how good your linebackers are. If every running back has been running for seven yards before they get touched and you're having to pick holes, it's just not going to work. Like, you're not going to be able to pitch a good defense against that. So I think that the defense is what I'm 100% most worried about. Um but the offense, I think, is going to be fine. And, you know, when you mentioned – you mentioned uh, 2020 Alabama, 2019 LSU being pass-heavy teams, both of those teams had a first-round running back. Like, I think that that's something that people neglect is those teams were really stacked, but you can't play good football without a running back. Teams without running backs do not win championships at any level. So I think that that is something that people need to focus on is it is a lot easier for a bad team to win games if they can run the ball – than for a bad team to win games because they can throw the ball better than everyone else. I agree. I I don't know. I maybe I'm really off here. I know that a lot of people are really high on uh, Derek Call and what he was able to do for Auburn. I just haven't thought that Auburn's defensive lines have been really that special for a long time. Probably since 2019. I mean, honestly. I wouldn't say that you would look at any of those defensive lines and say that they were intimidating or really helped the team. And I also don't think – I think in 2020 you could argue that it hurt the team. But honestly, if you just have big enough guys that they're not getting pushed around in, you know, run blocking and they can kind of hold their ground and let the linebackers make the plays, I think you're fine. Now, pass rush – that's going to be frustrating, but I think you're going to have to bring a blitz. I mean, we've had to do that for multiple years now. We haven't had a good pass rusher in years. 
I mean, it's been a hot minute since we've had I – mean, we had – Derek Brown was a good pass rusher coming up the middle. The last time we had a good edge pass rusher, like that I thought was really, really good, was Jeff Holland. Mm-hmm. You know, people can say that Echo Leota was good. I mean, he was good against Alabama, but – and he started to kind of get hot, you know, this year right before he got hurt. But honestly, I mean, our pass rush from the defensive line has not been anything to write home about for years. And I haven't thought that in previous years of Auburn football that the defensive line was the limiting – or the defense in general was the limiting factor that why we weren't winning games. I mean, they ended up this year giving up a bunch of points in the fourth quarter when games were over, and I still will maintain – I just don't think that they would have done that had there been any semblance of offense because you yeah. saw in the games where there was a semblance of offense – they held up. I mean, Mississippi State comes to mind as a time that they didn't hold up. But even then, I think if you – I can't remember the exact score. It was not a high-scoring game. Like, defenses are going to give points up. It's 2023. Like, the 3-2 to two game era is mostly Over. out the window. And so your offense has got to score. And I thought that in a lot of the games that we lost last year, it was on the offense. It was not the defense's fault that they lost the game. And I just – I don't feel like the talent, obviously, Owen Papo, really good linebacker. People say Robert Woodyard looks really good. I think that you can kind of balance out and have two higher-level linebackers instead of an elite linebacker and a not-as-elite linebacker like last year. And then I think the secondary, I think this might be the best secondary, top to bottom, Auburn has had since Carlton Davis was there with, uh, what's his name, uh, was it Jermaine Whitehead? who was with him or Mincy, it was, I'm getting them confused. But when Carlton Davis was there and we actually had a DB on either side, that was mm-hmm. really, really good. 15, yeah. Yeah. Was the last time that I was like, okay, the secondary is like pretty legit. This secondary is legit. If you put simp at safety, I mean, you've got the corners to run there. I really like that secondary. I think that the secondary has a great chance to be a strong point of this team. Well, and I think one of the most – the things that I'm almost most, you know, I don't know, excited or impressed is the right word, but Kay and Lee's coming in as a true freshman in the position group that is the strongest on the team, and he was balling out, you know. Like, he he was he was playing. He's, he's pushing. He's pushing guys to start. And even at the very least, you have a ton of depth. But you have a guy, a true freshman, who's chomping at the bit. You're making all of these guys even better. That play, He had a couple plays at A-Day where I was like, that was a good throw. Like, mm-hmm. the the throw, the the play to Landon King in the end zone. It's a good throw, having your guy go up and get it. Landon King had it in his hands, and Kay and Lee fights in there and rips it out of there. And you're like, that was a really good play by a freshman DB, you know, like that guy's been here for less than six months. So that's something that I think is very exciting. And I agree with you. I think that the corners are good. And I think there are going to be even more guys that surprise us in that cornerback room. And I mean, here's the thing. He's, I think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to play a lot, but he's going to get burned a couple of times mm. because as soon as teams see that there's a true freshman starting, they're going to put all of the schemes are going to be on the true freshman. And it is impossible to be a true freshman DB and to not get cooked a couple times. Like the reason Roger McCreary didn't get cooked at the end of his career, it's not that he got significantly athletically better. It's that he had seen the games before. I mean, Mm -hmm. Kool-Aid McKinstry for Alabama 
is a dog. He's going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. There's not a doubt in my mind. I wish that he had come to Auburn. Okay, he got burned a few times because guess what? What you see in high school, even if they beat you in scheme, nine times out of ten in high school, if you're Kool-Aid McKinstry or you're Kalen Lee, you're recovering and you're still going to make a heck of a play and it's probably going to end up on your highlights, you know, because you're going to be like, look at how I can recover. When you're going and playing LSU and they run a game on you, you're going to get burned. And so you just got to know that going in. Um, But I'm excited for him. I think he's going to have a really solid season. Yeah, I completely agree. So just right before we right before we wrap up the podcast, give me one player on offense and one – you know, we both sung Kay and Lee's praises a lot. So we both know – you know, both of us have talked about him before. We know that we're really impressed by him. Besides him, give us one player on offense and one player on defense that's a newcomer that you think is going to be a big-time contributor this fall. Because I think, in my opinion, Keldrick Falk on the defense – is going to be the biggest newcomer that I'm like, this guy is making a big difference as a true freshman. I think I'm I'm really high on him. And offensively, I already kind of talked about it a little bit. I think Brian Batty is a really good option, as well as Nick Mardner as a sleeper, as someone who could be someone who really surprised me as a guy that really, really contributes. And I guess I can amend the question a little bit. It doesn't necessarily have to be a newcomer. Someone who has not been an active player you know so like not not someone who's been you know actively getting a lot of minutes maybe someone who's on the team already but you think is going to really make some strides this season just give us one player on offense and one player on defense defense I think it's going to be Robert Woodyard I think he's really going to step up I think he's going to be very impressive and on offense I know I dogged on the receivers but I think the best of the group that we're going to have is going to be Landon King I thought that he was really good um the past two years and we've wondered why he hasn't been on the field because every time he gets on the field in a game, he makes some kind of insane play. You go back to the Iron Bowl, you go back to – it was early in the season. Penn State, was, yeah. Yeah, Penn State. He makes plays in games. The question is, does he do that in practice or is he just one of those gamers? But looking at the receiver room right now and looking at what happened in A-Day and what you hear coming out of spring – I think you at least give the gamer a try because it didn't sound like there was a whole lot going on that was positive. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I think that the receivers are an interesting group because you have guys like you you have guys like Landon King, you have guys like Camden Brown where you're seeing potential. Like you see crazy plays that they make. Like the Camden Brown catch against LSU in the end zone, that was phenomenal. Like you see plays like that and you still I, I think it was I want to say it was Camden Brown against maybe Arkansas. It was some garbage time game in the SEC where he made a couple really big plays that were. I think he scored important. a touchdown, didn't he, at the end of yeah. the Arkansas game? On yeah, like, I think it was against down. Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And so it's things like that where you're like, you see potential. You see Javaris Johnson just turning on the Jets and just being faster than everybody. Like you see it. But then you're just like the receivers are bad, and you're like. I'm not I'm not hating on the coaches for saying that they haven't been like what they expect because I fully believe them because the guys can't really catch that much. But you're like, you see so much potential from that group that you're almost and I'm you know, I say this with the risk of sounding like a homer, you 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 almost are happy that that's the biggest problem that you have. You know, that the biggest problem you have are guys that you see potential in week in and week out. So I, I really think that overall the receivers are not a group that you should just be terrified about but I do think they are a concern and I think that we'll see that 
going into this fall with multiple different position groups and how they grow throughout the season. But I think that this is a team that has a ways to go, but I do think that Auburn football is on the right track. And I'm excited to see how it, how it turns out this fall. But as always, you know, we're going to, we're going to be back next week with a little bit more information, hopefully, you know, a little bit more information on basketball visitors, a little bit of football transfer portal going out and in as the end of spring a lot more guys are going to know where they stand and they're gonna you know leave or come in so definitely be looking looking out for that but as always thank you guys so much for listening and war eagle war eagle